Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Joe. My, my real name... Go on. My real name is Joe Mama, in case anybody's wondering. But you can call me Joe for short. And I'm one of the members here. And I have the privilege, privilege if I can find my words, privilege of sharing a, a little bit of a Bible study with you this morning. And um, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed because I have not been um, allowed at a young adult event in years. This guy knows what I'm talking about over here. I'm in my late 30s now, which makes it really awkward because my wife is in her 20s. She's 10 years younger than me. When you got it, you got it. And (laughs) apparently I got it. But it's weird because she gets invited to these young adult events with other young adult men, and I don't get invited to those things. So now I get to go and chaperone. I'll bring my quill to sign up with for that, but I digress. Um, I want to just share a little bit of this Bible study this morning with you, and I think you would all agree with me, and if you don't, that's fine. I'm the one with the microphone, but I think you would all agree with me when I say that we're all following something. Everyone in the world is following something. It, It doesn't matter your state in life. It doesn't matter what you believe or whether or not you believe at all. We're all following something on a very practical level. A soldier follows the order of their superiors. Employees, we follow the directives from our bosses. Husbands follow the wishes of their wives. If you're a business owner, you follow the needs of your customers. We're all following something. Some of us are chasing dreams. Some of us, especially this time of year, are pursuing goals. And for the next month, we'll still continue to keep our membership at Planet Fitness. (laughs) But everyone, I believe, is following a set of principles, uh, whether they be moral or immoral or amoral. We're all following something that guides the way we live. And we may call it a worldview, we may call it our belief, we may call it our faith, but for those of us who are Christians, it's different for us in that uh, what we're following or what we say we're following is a person. And this person's name is Jesus. We are following Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we stop doing the other things. Following Jesus doesn't mean I stop following the wishes of my wife. She would see that I meet him sooner than later. If we, if we did that, it doesn't mean that we stop following the directives of our boss. A, a soldier, because uh, she is a Christian, does not stop following the orders of her superior. Uh, we still follow different things in this world, but the primary thing that, that should delineate everything else for us and, and, and guide us in the way we make decisions about everything else, that helps us realize whether or not the orders we get from other places or the directives or the wishes that we hear from, from the other things that we follow, the, th- the thing that, that sifts all of that out for us 
is a person, and his name is Jesus. So what does it mean, really, to follow Jesus? Now, the simple answer to that is just it, it is to say, it. just follow what he says. Just do what he says. Now, if we did everything that Jesus said to do, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit here briefly, we would all find ourselves in an interesting place in life. In fact, if we all did everything that Jesus said to do, we would already all be dead. We'll examine that here in just a few moments. So we can't simply say following Jesus is to do everything that he said to do because it's not that simple for us. Every one of us is a unique person that with a unique gifting from God, with a unique call from God for our lives. And so it's not as simple just to say, well, just do what the Bible says and then you're following Jesus. Because then we have to ask the question, well, what does the Bible really say? If you're like me, you love working through checklists, crossing things off, getting things done. That's the only way I can remember to do certain things is if I write it down. And the joy, it fills my soul when I check something off of my list and how wonderful it would be, wouldn't it, if Jesus just gave us a checklist. If you do all of these things, you'll be following me. Then there would be no question. We would never have to wonder. We would never have any doubt. We would also be able to put people on the outside because we'd know who hadn't checked all of the right boxes as well. Thankfully, as much as I'd love it, pragmatically to have that, thankfully Jesus does not give us a checklist to follow in terms of what it means to following him. Following him is unique for every person. Now there are some constants about following him. There are some things that, that are unshakable and we, we find those in the Bible and I don't have the time to go into all of them. I only have two and a half hours today so we can't get into all of that stuff. But it's unique for every one of us because following Jesus is more than just adhering to a list of rules and regulations. Following Jesus is about having a relationship with a person who is alive. And so it's not as simple as do this, do that, don't do this, and don't ever do that. It's not that simple. There, there are different dynamics into how this plays out, though, for us to follow Jesus. Because if I'm going to follow Jesus, number one, I have to start with this premise that I must believe that if I'm going to follow him, that he knows the best way to go. Why else would I follow him? If he doesn't know the, the path that I should be taking, then why in the world should I want to follow him, but I must believe in following Jesus that he knows the, the best for my life, the best way that my life is going to pan out. In fact, he refers to himself as the way. He is the way to live and to follow. If life were not such a mystery for all of us, we'd be fine doing it on our own, wouldn't we? But we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's coming up around the corner. I don't know anyone for whom life has turned out exactly as they planned. Do you? I don't see any hands going up. Life doesn't turn out the way we plan. Things, things don't work out like we always believed they would. We get that call into the boss's office, and before we know it, things have suddenly changed. We get that call from the doctor that changes everything about our life, and now our year is 
different. We don't know what is coming around the corner. So we need a guiding force, a person who knows the way to take us along the way. I wish he would always show us what's coming around the corner. He doesn't do that for me. Does he do that for you? I don't see any hands going up either. He just says, follow me, trust me, believe that I know, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the step in front of you, or regardless of, of the danger that you sense ahead, if you're following me, Jesus says, I know the best way to go. And this is why we follow him. As Christians, this is, this is why we look to him, because we know that he knows the best way to go. He created us. He formed us in our mother's wombs. He, he intricately weave, wove us to get weaved. Wove? Thank you, Mary. He, he wove us together knowing who we would be and what we would be like, and, and he directs our lives according to those things. This is why we follow him. So we start with that. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I must believe that he knows the best way to go. But it's not good enough to stop there, I don't think. I, th I think we have to, to also be willing to go wherever he wants to take me. If I believe that he knows the best way to go, then I must be willing to follow him, regardless of what that looks like. And I don't know about you, but sometimes his plans and Joe Mama Oval's plans are not one and the same. Sometimes they're different from what I want. Some, sometimes he leads me to places that, that I did not think I would go. Sometimes he leads us to places we did not think we would go. Sometimes he walks us through valleys that feel like, as the Bible says, the valley of the shadow of death. And in the midst of it, while we're afraid and we don't know what's coming up tomorrow, he just whispers and says, don't be afraid. Fear no evil in the midst of this. I know what's on the other side of it. But I have to be willing to take that step behind him. Now, just because my plans aren't the same as his and that I don't know what he's going to do with my plans in the future doesn't mean that I shouldn't make any plans. That would be silly. We, we, we make plans. It's important to make plans. In fact, in my notes here, I put in all caps, make plans, with an exclamation point. But hold them loosely. Because who knows if tomorrow he's going to take the plans that we've made and sift through them and cause us to realize that, that they were our plans in the first place and he had nothing to do with them. And they aren't, in fact, a part of the plan that he has for us. So following him is very dynamic in that way. And I, I, wish, we could, I wish we could narrow it down to, to something simpler and much more practical. It's almost ethereal, just follow Jesus. But when you are in a close relationship with a person, you don't have to, you don't have to be told everything that they want. You, you just begin to pick up on those things. Now, now when it comes to plans... I'm a planner. I love to plan. I want to know on Tuesday if I'm going to have to go to Kroger on Saturday. I want to know. I, I, I just have to know. I, I don't like spontaneity. I, do, I don't like surprises at all. It, I, I would never want a surprise birthday party. That would make me so mad. I just don't want to be surprised. I want to be able to plan everything out. My wife, on the other hand, 
would wake up on a Tuesday morning and say, that thing that I wanted to get um, for the kid, it's available at Target. But the only Target that has it is in Cincinnati. So I'm thinking about driving there later today <laughs> and then being back home tonight. That's exactly how she is, I promise you. And I'm not disparaging her with her willy-nilly ways of living. <laughs> you know, she's, she's a young adult. What can I say? <laughs> Kids these days, they just do whatever they want. Don't make any plans. No, she's a lot more fun than me is what it really pans out to be as I'm sitting on the porch yelling at the kids who are walking on my lawn. <laughs> but I understand that about her because I'm in relationship with her. She understands that about me. Don't spring stuff on Joe. Hey, we need milk today, Joe. <gasps> Surely we needed milk three days ago. We understand one another in that way. It is like that in a relationship with Jesus. And it's, it's one of those mysteries about knowing him and following him that is hard to define. It's hard to explain. And really the only way to, 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 to put your fingers on it is to, to be involved in it. There, there really aren't words that describe that. But he leads us and he guides us and we begin to understand him and we, and we understand his ways and we understand the things that he wants about us how he wants to lead us and where he wants to take us and the things that he wants us to do. But sometimes those things just don't pan out to be what we want them to be. He said this to the apostle Peter, one of his closest friends here. In fact, this is one of the people that Jesus is talking to in the context of this passage in Luke chapter 9. He's, he's speaking to his closest friends, his disciples, we call them, the apostles, the 12 apostles. He says to Peter, just before, this is, uh, we got to fast forward a little bit in the story of Jesus's life, but after he's been crucified and after he's been raised from the dead, he has an encounter with his, with his apostles once again, and just before he ascends back into heaven, and he tells Peter, he says, one day, Peter, you're going to be old, and, and you've lived your life in such a way that you've just called all the shots for you, but one day, when you're old, someone is going to take you by the hand and lead you to a place where you don't really want to go. This is what it is like following Jesus. There's a lot of things we call the shots on. I didn't pray before I asked him what to wear this morning. And some of you said, obviously. <laughs> There's a lot of things we just get to call the shots on. There's some things we don't. Some places he will take us, some ways that he will lead us that do not look like what we had planned. So following Jesus, it means I'm, I gotta be willing to go where he wants to take me. And, and not just that, but that going where he wants to take me looks like, as Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Following Jesus means I take up my cross. Now, that phrase, if you're like me and, and you grew up in the church, the phrase, take up your cross, uh, becomes somewhat disarmed of its power over time. It's like a lot of Christian phrases that we have, like, like being born again. Now, now we just use it to label people who go to certain churches in America. It's not what, the way the Bible describes it. 
We do that with a lot of different things. Pastor Jeff calls it domesticating these words. We've domesticated this phrase, take up your cross, so that it no longer really means what, what Jesus meant when he said it, but we use it to, to talk, almost make jokes about it. We say things like, oh, you're married to Joe, Megan? Everybody's got a cross to bear. <laughs> and we joke about it. When Jesus says, taking up your cross, it's an image that he's giving to his followers that they would have understood very powerfully because it is something that they all would have seen at some moment in their lives. What does it mean for a man at that time to take up his cross? It means that person who's carrying a cross is going to die that day. It means death. Taking up your cross, you did that as you were carrying your, your tool of execution that your executioners were going to lay you down on. You were carrying it to your place of death. So to take up your cross, Jesus says, means you're going to die. Just before this, in verses 21 and 22, he told them, that he was going to suffer many things, be rejected by people, be arrested and killed, crucified. And he says right after that, let's frame it this way. Let's read the story like this because it's easy to disconnect the, the dots in the Bible when we read from, from one week to another or, or one passage or one day to another in our devotions. It's easy to disconnect the things like that from the Bible. Jesus says to them, I'm one day going to be arrested and killed. And if you wanna follow me, you gotta take up your cross too. That's not a very inspiring speech. Following me, Jesus says, means death. If you will follow me, you will take up your cross. And they instantly can see it's, it's a dead man walking the green mile on his way to his death. What does it mean to take up my cross? It means death. It means self-denial. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And denying myself, it's so easy to think of the things that I shouldn't do the list of the don'ts, the thou shalt nots that we're familiar with, the, the, the sins that we know that we shouldn't approach, all of that stuff in the Bible or that we heard in Sunday school if you grew up in the church or if you go to the wrong church, I'll say that, the wrong church, and they, all they ever do is tell you about all the wrong that you do and the wrong that you've done, and you hear those things. We think that self-denial looks like that. And so often we, we blame our lack of progress on becoming more like Jesus. Uh, let me just back up right here real quick. I just want to make sure I'm in a room full of people who are actually like myself. Who, who kind of screwed up this week in one way or another? Man, there's a lot. Some of you better leave that you didn't raise your hands. You're in the wrong church. There's a lot of screw-ups in this place. We, we blame our lack of progress in those moments where we say, man, I sh why am I still here? I shouldn't be doing this same thing. I shouldn't be thinking that anymore. Oh, oh, I should be able to have better control over my tongue or over my thoughts or the, the things that I do. Like I should have made more progress right now. Here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll go, I'll just go say no more to the things that I shouldn't do. We, we blame our lack of progress on our failure to deny ourselves enough. 
and to give up enough. And we say the reason why I'm not progressing and becoming more like Jesus is because that I've just held on to way too many things. And for some of us, that is probably true. But I think for all of us, the real issue is, is not that we're not saying no to enough stuff, but that we not, have not truly said yes to Jesus. Self-denial isn't just, I gotta give up all of that stuff that, that, that weighs me down and that Jesus doesn't like. Self-denial is, I'm not in control anymore. No matter what kind of a mess I am, he will still take me. He still wants me. And if I let him drive, if I let him lead, those things will begin to fall away. It isn't that I, that I haven't tried hard enough. It's that I haven't believed in the right person to make a difference in my life. Self-denial is not just giving up sin, but it's giving up my right to be right. He's the one who's right. He's the one who gets to lead. This is so hard for me because I'm always right. I was wrong once and I just, I decided I would never do it again. So it's so hard for me to give up my right to be right. I will speak to the manager. I'm one of those people. I am a, what is the, what is the male version of a Karen, a Joseph? Is that what it, is that what it is? That dude's a total Joseph. I will do it. And it embarrasses my wife. I sat on hold with Sam's club. I won't go into the story for 40 minutes a week ago, as they said they were gonna get me a manager, the head manager of the store. And if you're here today, I'd love to speak with you before you leave. <laughs> Waiting for someone, and the phone picked up, and they hung up immediately. And I started to dial them back. And my sweet wife, who's so young, she doesn't know any better, you know. She came out and said, Joe, why don't you just give it up? It's not that important. And I still haven't slept since then. <laughs> it's so hard for me to give up my right to be right. But in following Jesus, part of that self-denial, part of that taking up the cross, part of this death to self, if that's what you want to call it, is acknowledging that, that if he's saying following him looks like death and self-denial, then I don't have to be, I don't get to be the one who's right every time, most of the time, any time, if you ask my wife. Jesus took up his cross. He carried a cross to be executed, and he was innocent. He'd done no wrong. And here I stand fighting for my right to be right when Jesus says, if you really are gonna follow me, you gotta be like me. You do what I did. I think for every person, again, this is unique. What self-denial for Joe Alva looks like is different from what self-denial for you looks like because he's made us all differently. For some of you, he will tell you a very specific thing that you should not do. 
And you're wondering, even right now, if that was the Lord who told you to do that, you, you're, you're quite sure that it is, but you've got friends who are okay with whatever that thing is. And it's not even a sin. So you're like, man, why Jesus would you tell me to, to let go of this thing? It's not, it's not even bad. And you're wondering if it's him. And he does that because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's a it's sin or not. If he says, let it go, we say yes and obey and we follow him because he knows where it ends. He says, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. This is, again, not a very inspiring speech. If you want to save your life, Jesus says, you'll lose it. You'll, you'll give it up. If you really want to live, you'll do what I've done and die. It doesn't make sense to us. Jesus says we win by losing. I hate losing. There are passages, and I'm just going to say it. There are passages in the Bible I read, and I get out my whiteout. <laughs> I start to put on before the Lord smacks my hand. Don't do that. This is one of those. I, I want to put the whiteout over that so I don't, so don't have, to, have to see that. If you, if you really want to, to save your life, you're going to lose it. I hate to lose. This is why I can't stand games of chance because there's no strategy involved. If you win games of chance and, and you're proud of that, <laughs> you did nothing to win that. It was chance. There's no skill involved in that. I hate losing. My wife hates losing too. So why we don't play games together anymore. When we were... <laughs> When we were dating, we played games all the time. Until one fateful day, we were playing the game of Clue. And I kept a tally. I think I won eight times in a row that night. And she was so upset, I brought her to tears. I said, Megan, I'm, I'm so sorry. Let's play something you're good at. I guess I lost that night too. <laughs> I hate losing. I don't, I don't want Jesus to say, you win by losing. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit well with my, with my natural state. Like, like if you, if you want to find success, you've got to do what doesn't bring success. If you want to find life, you've got to die. It doesn't make any sense. It's because his ways are not our ways. The Bible says that very statement. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And as much as we know and as much as we understand and as much as we think we've got everything figured out, we don't know anything because the, the creator of the universe, the one who created wisdom himself, knows better than I do. So he says, if you want to find true life, you follow me, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you die. Now this cross that he calls us to take up is different from his. His cross was real. He carried a real cross up a, a real hill, and when he got to the top of it, Roman soldiers who were trained in doing this very thing, nailed him to it and hoisted him up. And in a few hours, he was dead. Our cross is figurative. And I know that this is the case because he says, take up your cross daily. 
A person who was taking up their cross in that time would only do it once. Because you were carrying your execution device. My cross that I carry is figurative. So he's not saying to us, and this goes back to, it's not as simple as just do everything that Jesus said to do, and then you'll be following him. This is, this is where it becomes complicated because it's, it's not as simple as just doing that because he says, take up your cross daily. He, he can't be literally asking us to die every day. That's impossible for us. So he's speaking to us in a figurative manner. What he's saying is, you've got to relinquish your control over your life, primarily over our salvation. We relinquish control over, over leading ourselves and, and doing all that we can to get ourselves to heaven one day. The only thing that will do that is the cross that Jesus carried. Now, here, here's how I imagine this is that he says, you take up your cross. And as I'm imagining myself carrying it through the, the stony streets of Jerusalem like he did, following behind him, huffing and puffing because I'm out of shape. I get to the top of the hill. And they lay the cross down and they're about to lay me down on it. And Jesus comes over and says, this isn't your cross to die on. You see, if our, if our cross required our death, there would be no resurrection at the end of it. Because this sinful body that belongs to Joe Oval cannot come out of the grave without a greater power than itself. But the innocent, holy, perfect, God wrapped in human flesh body of Jesus Christ, giving his life for your sins and mine, that doesn't stop at a death on the cross. That ends and begins with resurrection for us. So what he's saying to us is this, taking up your cross doesn't mean coming to me and letting go of all of the stuff that, that you think you should let go of because you're a follower of me now. It doesn't mean that you've got to give up your life. What it means is Jesus says, I have given up my life for you. And you accept that and you embrace that and you wrap your life all around that. And you'll trust me when I want to take you places you don't want to go. You'll know that you're in good hands when I'm walking you through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, because I know at the end of this, there's a resurrection. It's not just a, you give up your life and follow Jesus. It's an exchange. I give him my life and he gives me his. Now, for some of us, those of us who raised our hands earlier at Screwing Up last week, we know that that's the better deal, getting his life in exchange for ours. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, because you're already perfect, you're struggling a little bit with that. Why would I wanna give up my life for his, and I'll just go back to what we said earlier because we don't know what tomorrow brings. He does. Why wouldn't we place our lives, our futures, our salvation, all of our hopes in the hands, the nail-scarred hands of the man who gave up all for us 
and prove that he's the only one faithful and capable enough to do that by rising from the dead and promising to us. The promise he gives here, this this isn't an invitation that he says. It's not an invitation to come and follow Jesus. He says, if you come and follow me, he's not trying to inspire us. It's not an invitation. He says, if you're gonna come and follow me, it means death, but you're promised a resurrection. We exchange our life for his. It does not mean the end of me. It means the beginning of a new life that Jesus rules and leads and takes control of. And I love that he says daily because sometimes I feel like I gotta start over every day. Sometimes I feel like, man, I really, I've really blown it this time. I, I, I don't know what to do. Jesus gave this promise. Every day there's mercy for us. There's life for us. His resurrection is eternal. It never runs out. There's complete power in that to give us life. And I'll finish with this. I've still got 45 minutes left, but we're going to get done a little early. I'll finish with this. Pastor Jeff has been talking a lot about unity here at Renaissance and um, the importance of that and, and, and our togetherness as a church and, and uh, as followers of Jesus. And, and I, I spent a lot of time talking about the uniqueness of following Jesus and how taking up our cross, our, everyone has a different cross. So it's a very unique experience for every one of us in following Jesus, but it's also one that's done in community. I can't bear my cross, quote unquote, to go back to that phrase, alone. The Bible tells us that as Jesus was carrying his cross to his place of execution, he stumbled because they had already beaten him nearly to death. He stumbled and fell down in the street and he couldn't go on anymore. So they compelled a man from the crowd to carry his cross for him. There's no way I can do it without someone else coming alongside of me praying for me, someone else I can share my burdens, my cross with and letting them know what's going on. There's no way we can do this on our own because sometimes we're gonna stumble and fall and we need somebody else to come alongside and hoist us up and help us make it along the way. Sometimes I need somebody to grab me by the hand and drag me along the way. We cannot do it alone. We have to be together in our, in our following of Jesus in that no matter what happens, no matter what our differences is, no matter our uniquenesses, no matter uh, what God is dealing with in me and, and how different that is from what God is dealing with in you, no matter what that looks like, we have to be willing to come alongside of one another because we're all following the same person and trying to get to the same place, which is uh, the destiny the Bible has promised for those of us who follow him, that we will become like him. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you have promised us new life. You have promised to, to give us hope in you through what you've done on the cross. Lord, I pray that 
as we consider what it means to follow you, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, that we, that we don't focus so much on ourselves in that. But we remember that there's this wonderful exchange taking place, a, a substitution that was made where you took our place. So the cross that we take up, we don't even have to die on because you did. The life that we give up, it doesn't have to, to, come, uh, to become a, a void thing because you give us new life through your resurrection power. Lord, I thank you for that. We love you. I pray that you will help us to lean on one another as we, as we stumble along in our following of you that we wouldn't uh, forget to take the time to turn back and pick up those who have stumbled and carry one another along the way. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.